The main thing is make sure that you can communicate. And that sounds cliche. Make sure that your relationship, if you're planning on opening, you have good communication, that you have a solid base. Because Holly, in that sense at the beginning, will introduce a lot more problems and a lot more stress. Mm -hmm. So you want to be coming from a strong place. Don't expect it to solve problems that are already there or solve existing problems. It's not... It's not a cure. It's something that you both have to work towards. So make sure you have a strong relationship and you communicate well. And if you're both comfortable, then go for it. Your lifelong passions, dreams, and aspirations. Your joys and creative spurs. Your femininity. Your success. All in one place. This is Girl Skill with your host, Anna Rova. All right. Hello, lady, and welcome to Girl Skill Podcast. And this is a very special segment of Girl Skill Podcast. If you want to go back and kind of get a background of what this episode is about and why is it a little bit different, you can go to the exciting changes on Girl Skill Podcast episode that I just released a few days ago or weeks ago, if you're listening to this a bit further. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Know that this is not the regular episode. In fact, these are episodes from a podcast that I've been doing about five years ago when I was interviewing men about women and relationships. So the quality is not that great. I'm very new and green, but the reason I'm releasing this is because, well, because we're pivoting into something new with the Girl Skill Podcast. And while we were waiting for that to happen, I just decided to entertain you a little bit, to throw in some education and to just see how green I was five years ago when I was interviewing all these men, a little bit nervous, a little bit awkward, you know how it is. But this was the bedrock of my work and my understanding of men. So I really hope you enjoy this. And I really hope, you know, you'll find that pretty cool. And I'm very excited to release it. A little bit nervous, but also excited. So enjoy this episode. Uh, stay until the end because an awkward jar, a special segment, an awkward jar is is waiting for you. And yeah, just let me know how this is for you. I'm always, you know, on Instagram as Anna Rova. I'm on Facebook, but you can also email me at Anna at girlskill.com. Let me know what you think. Please be gentle because <laughs> five years ago, I was like a completely different Anna. So Enjoy the episode and yeah, I'll see you at the end. Bye. Girl skill, female success redefined. All right, Zed, are you ready? Yep. <laughs> All right, first question that I want to ask every man on the show is what do you find attractive in a woman in general? Uh, it's interesting. I used to think of my ideal mate, and I had a tick list. This is obviously I'm talking when I'm about 15, 16, and it was all these things like, you know, I prefer blondes and all this. Yeah. I found in my life, I don't think I actually obey that list. I don't think I ever have. I think I dreamt it up at some point because now the people that I'm attracted to tend to come from all sorts of different walks of life and are completely different. But mm-hmm. So for the typical things like physical features, I don't think I have preference, but in terms of what I like in people, I think I like independence people who are open-minded or free thinkers. Okay. I, I think that's what I find most attractive. I like practical people too, but I mean, that's that's right. not as important to me. But, you know. That's interesting. Cool. So now we get to the core of this whole open relationships thing. So how did it start for you? How did right. this whole open relationship start for you and how does it work in general? Um, it all started... Back when I was, okay, I trace all the way back. It started when I was about 16. And I was mm-hmm. with my first serious, serious girlfriend. We'd been yeah. together, uh, well, at that point we started going out. We'd been together about four and a half years by the time we split up. Mm-hmm. And out of that, I think about two years was done long distance. So 
well. we weren't afraid of long distance, and like we'd been monogamous the whole time. Okay. Um, there was nothing wrong with it. It was that like teenage love. It was wonderful. Like we were super mad in love with each other. But I think towards the end of it, we both realized that we'd become so codependent that we'd basically become one person. This one couple. People mm-hmm. saw us going out to places, and they knew us as that couple. Yeah. I think we both had started to slightly resent the fact that we had just grown into each other. We weren't individuals anymore, and that was kind of straining our relationship. Mm. So after we split up, it was quite a big deal for me. I was you know, quite broken up. She was too, and we didn't really have much contact, and I felt, you know, whilst we don't want to be together right now, this is still someone that I've loved, and I love them. They haven't changed as a person. Okay. I still feel that love, but I just know that we can't be together, but... Does that mean if I fall in love with someone else now, does that mean that that love didn't count? Am I not in love with her anymore? Mm-hmm. So then I began to question one thing, you know, would I be able to love more than one person at the same time? And eventually, I'm talking eventually here, this is months later, I came yeah. to the conclusion that yes, it was possible. I can still have love for someone who I'm not with and love someone else. <clears throat> then the next question became, okay, establish that. <laughs> Moving forward in this relationship, do I want to be independent? Do I want to have the same thing happen again? Do we want to end up growing into each other to the space where we're not individuals anymore? Mm-hmm. And so you were still with one one person at that time? Just, um, at that time, I'd broken up with my girlfriend. We were I was single for about eight months, which yeah. is something I wanted to do. And then after that, I met A, my partner of four years. Yeah. And um, meeting her, with, there were a lot of things. She came from quite a, a strict upbringing and was only just discovering herself. And I... I just come out of this relationship so I was kind of hesitant to pin myself down so we both approached it really really slowly and like mm-hmm. gently and that was really good that stood us in good stead but um okay I think I didn't want to I didn't want to pin her down like I knew that there was so much of life to experience I didn't want her for one second to miss anything and end up resenting me for any reason like and I felt the same way for myself I mean mm-hmm. so you kind of talk about it yeah and then you decided to be in a relationship the open relationship part only came, I think, three and a half years in, three years in. Wow. When we had to do long distance again, it came down to it. Like, we were, we were quite happy monogamous for about three years. Okay. And that was fine. But, you know, I, when we did long distance again, I didn't want her to be missing out on anything, any life, any single moment of what she could be doing. Mm-hmm. And then think, wow, you know, I missed out on that because of sad, you know, I don't I didn't want to bear that responsibility and I didn't think that I needed that. I didn't need her to behave any certain way. Okay, so then what happened? We talked about it and... Okay, now we're getting to the actual how it happened. Yes. <laughs> well, we talked about it in the past because I think it's both something that we had thought about. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it came down to it, we were like, okay, in theory, we're good with this. Like, this seems good. Like, we're on firm ground. Like, yeah. let's try it out. And we're long distance at this point. So... So it was easier, I guess. It was easier. I mean, for me, I I wasn't particularly fussed about, you know, I, I felt like I was quite confident. I'd done a lot of work building up my own self-confidence. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what, I'll be okay. Like, even if she's with another guy, I'll deal with this. Like, I'm not going to put that weight on her. And interestingly, one of the things that the conclusions I came to, I'm not sure why exactly I came to it, was, um, okay, we're doing this thing, we're apart. I wanted her to go first. Mm-hmm. If we were going to see other people, I wanted her to see someone first before I would do it. Because I felt like I would be okay. I felt that if I went first, I'd be causing hurt. And I didn't see. want to do that. 
Uh-huh. So I was quite happy to, to wait and let her So did she do it? Through. And she did. And yeah. how did you feel? It took a few months. It was about three months of being open before it happened. And I'm not going to lie, when it, when it first happened, wow, it was, it was terrible. I was so depressed. I was all over the place. And yeah. I regretted some of my actions at the time. Like, I, mm. to my own disgrace, I kind of retreated and I stopped talking to her for a little bit like it just had blown my mind like my my brain was in pieces yeah well i guess that's a natural kind of reaction that everyone would have and if i would give any advice i'd say expect it and it would yeah. it helped because i was expecting it and she was expecting it so she was there the whole time being like you know i, I still feel the same way about you it's okay but, but is it wasn't she just for example like what did she just sleep with another guy or she was actually in a re- in, kind of relationship um initially they just slept together And then within about a, a week or so, like, they really liked each other. They're in a relationship. Okay. Like, so she was seeing yeah, both of you at that point. At that point. But I was long distance at this point. Right. So I was, the only interface I had was through Skype. And right. So, yeah. And then when did it start for you? Me, it probably would have been a long time after, well, maybe that's six months after that. Mm-hmm. No, five. So you met somebody? Yes. And? That would be T. T, right. But... Uh, maybe I'm peculiar about like this. Uh, I'm not sure if most guys feel the same way, but for me, maybe one of the reasons I went to poly is because I don't really go for no-strings-attached sex. I don't really believe that sex can be no-strings-attached. Maybe it can for some people, but for me, I, I need that connection. So that's what I actually wanted to ask you. Is it really about this whole poly thing? Is it really about uh, you know, loving, mm. just accepting the fact that you can love multiple people at the same time? Or is it just like... Being having the freedom to to have sex with anybody you can without attachment. Well, so you're saying for if you, you think about it this way, all of us, anyone that's in a relationship, has the freedom to have sex with anyone well, without yeah. attachment. <laughs> cheating, and it happens right. a lot. And there are other forms of open relationships, like swinging, or mm-hmm. like, you know, people that are into certain like subcultures. They get off like that. But the thing that differentiates poly is that it involves relationships, relationships. committed relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't have to. Like, you can also have, like, no strings attached sex, too. But right. but poly is where you're actually focusing on the relationships. Mm-hmm. So right now, with your two partners, both of them are here. I mean, there's no oh. long distance, or...? Oh, no, they, there is long distance. Okay, so you're still with A, yeah. still uh, long distance, and T yeah. is here, right? T is here. Okay. But A is so, coming out here in a couple of weeks. She's coming? Yeah, for okay. months and a bit. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, because this is very confusing for me. First... There is this because I've been thinking about this, right? So if it's if it's UZ dating mm-hmm. A and T, that means that they're okay with having an open relationship as well, which yes. means that they have multiple partners too. Yes, and their partners have to be open to it as well. Well, it's it's not that you have to. You could be monogamous and date a polyamorous person, like you just want to see this one person, and you're okay with them being with other people. But you don't necessarily oh. have to also be poly. Like you can just. That's but that's a weird dynamic. Mostly it doesn't work out. Like yeah, because then I was thinking, I was just like, you know, putting together a network in my brain. And this is like, this is like a network, you know, people are like, and it Everything. multiplies, you know, the further down you go. I mean, there's this terminology for it. What our relationship is called is called an open V because it's shaped like a V. Yeah. And it's open because we're allowed to bring in other partners. Yeah. Now, closed V would be the same thing, except that we're just the three of us. We're polyfidelitists. So it's kind of like, a three-way couple would be uh, a closed V. Mm. There are also triads, which is like a full triangle where everyone is involved with everyone else. There's this whole geometry thing. There's a lot. It goes on to chords. It goes on to, it goes on and on. But, oh, wow. 
wow, that's yeah. interesting. So did you ever have a situation, have they met, A and yeah, B? Yeah, they've met. Um, so like you, you went for like casual yeah. dinner, three of you or something? We went out for a drink and I can honestly <laughs> say like, I was sat there looking across at the two of them and like everyone was just had this look on their face like, what are we doing? Was it awkward? Um, it wasn't. It was it wasn't as awkward as I thought it would be. I was really awkward. And yeah. I'm sure they were a little bit too. But I think what really broke the tension, like we were talking, we find yeah. the guy at the pub only comes down. He's like, oh, hey, you know, he's a bit of a creepy dude, and he was um, he was saying to to T like, oh, you know, are you are you with him? Like, because you're looking really nice and stuff. And she's like, yeah. And then he was like, well, how about you? And so, she, I don't know if she actually said it because I think we were a bit like trying to keep it quiet. But yeah. She just looked at him like, no, that's that's not what's going on. <laughs> that's interesting. So tell me, Zed, what do you think are the benefits and also the the disadvantages of it? Because I like in my mind, people see a lot of times people see the especially men. I think yes. see a lot of advantages in this whole thing. And maybe women as well, but not so much because you have the freedom, you know, and, and it's all cool. You can it's, have multiple partners, but at the same time, right. what I think about is that also there are disadvantages. Because now, you know, men have one woman, one woman in general, and that creates a bunch of drama. Right. So now it's like two of them, and, and it's like double you're drama. You're absolutely you know? right. Um, <laughs> having more relationships brings more work into it. And there's like a running yeah. joke that probably people spend more time talking about their feelings than having sex. <laughs> That kind of might be true. Yeah. But interestingly enough, I think I found that generally in, in polyamorous relationships, women actually have more power than men, at least sexually, because it's a lot easier for women mm, in any relationship so. to attract more partners. Yeah. I mean, for a guy, say you're dating two girls, find another girl, it's quite hard. You have to be you know, on your game or whatever people like to say. But yeah. for a woman being polyamorous, it's quite easy to attract new people. Now, the problem is that at least the, I think we've been finding is that many men are very insecure joining an existing polyamorous relationship. So it's, you're saying it's harder for men to join rather than for a woman? It's easy for women to find men, but to find a man that wants to stay is quite hard. And the problem is, like, mm. I, I used to get really jealous of their partners. And, like, you know, obviously that was the question I, that I actually wanted to ask. I, I manage that myself because I view jealousy as a personal emotion. Like, it comes from my fear and my insecurity not because of what someone is necessarily doing. Like that. Mm. So you, you're saying that you don't get jealous? No, I, I, I do. But I would say that it's it's 90% something that I have to deal with. Like, okay, we think about the reason. Why do we get jealous? Say you saw your partner kissing someone else. Yeah. Now, are you jealous because of what they're doing or because of what it means? The fear that this kiss might be the start of the most amazing love of his life and he'll never yeah. want to see you again. So that comes from insecurity. That comes from fear. Once I stopped expecting my partners to behave a certain way or like wanting them to be a certain thing for me, I realized they're people. I love them. What they do doesn't change who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to be afraid. If someone's going to leave me for someone else just because of a kiss or for whatever reason because someone's amazing in bed, then, you know, so be it. But mm-hmm. I truly believe that, you know, I'm an attractive person. I'm okay. I'm not going to say I'm like the mm-hmm. most attractive. But so you basically taught yourself. To, so you have those feelings still. You have jealousy, yeah. but you taught yourself to overcome it. And, and, and the way to overcome it. it is through becoming stronger in yourself, self-confidence, mm. knowing that you don't need the people you love to make you who you are, but your life is enriched by being with them. I see. So then, uh, because you know, in uh, traditional relationships, all this drama 
comes mostly from like jealousy or like other people or something or cheating or whatever, being attracted to others. So if you don't have that, then where is the drama coming from? Um, I would say that drama is still there, like aside from the jealousy thing. But um, yeah. a lot of drama comes from the relationships within a uh, polyamorous relationship. Mm-hmm. For example, like time management, like who's spending more time with who and like, <laughs> You know, yeah, how does that do like this. how does that work? Do you have do you have like a specific schedule? And now you have two, right? Um, and then a lot of people do, but really? luckily, luckily or not, like it's a double edged sword. Since we've been long distance, I've generally spent time more time with one or the other, like visiting. Right. But if we're moving forward and uh, everyone comes to live in the same place, then yeah. The solution, I think, would be to divide up time fairly. And it's talking. It's always communication. It's always talking. And yeah. So, like, if A calls you and say, hey, Zed, uh, let's go for a drink or something. And you say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm spending time with T today. Would you like yeah. to join us or whatever? Yeah. If, if both of them are comfortable. I mean, this is where it gets really, you got to, as a guy, you right. got to watch, you got to think. Like, say that happened. Yeah. Before I said, oh, yeah, come on down, join us. I would have to ask T, is it okay if A joins us? No, so there's just, still some ground rules where oh, you said them beforehand. There are, there are a lot of rules, but we decide what they are. Mm-hmm. We make them together. Mm-hmm. And is it always, do you, do you have to have partners of the same sex or not necessarily? Oh, not at all. Not at all. Um, but uh, at the moment, it's, it's pretty much worked out in that, in that way. But, yeah, there's no, no rules in that. Does it also involve like sexual relationships between all of you at the same time? Um, no. No, we haven't gone there. Like, we've talked about it, obviously, like, people talk about it, but it feels like we're more interested in building a solid foundation first before going into any of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's what any of our priorities are right now. I see. So back to the question of advantages yeah. and disadvantages, what would you say, like, let's say, are two things that are amazing having a poly and two things that, you know, you think are Okay. Not two things that are amazing about a poly, for me, I'm obviously I'm only talking from my personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, one is the support network you have. Imagine, you know, you have your partner and, like, you have a problem, you go to them and, like, cry yeah. on your shoulder or whatever. Yeah. Now, times that by two. Now, you know, you have two support networks, two beautiful people who want to be there for you and to look out for you. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Another advantage is you don't ever really feel trapped or confined. You feel like everyone involved is their own person. and Everyone wants to be there. Not because you made some promise to be together. You're there because every day you wake up and you look at the person next to you and you say, I want to be with you. I still want to be and here. And then tomorrow you wake up with another person and you say, I want to be with you, you too. You wake up with another person, but you still think, I still want to be with you. It's not <laughs> It's not a case of like trading up or anything like that, which yeah. to me gives me a bit more security because I know that people are, at any time I could lose them, but at any time that's true for anyone. Right. Uh, in terms of disadvantages, you've got the increased amount of relationship. Oh, I don't want to say drama, but more um, talking. It's a lot more mm-hmm. processing is another yeah. word that people use. Um, and another disadvantage is it's still not uh, say a culturally accepted lifestyle. There's not a lot of role models for poly people or a lot of, not a lot of media exposure. So when people start this, a lot of the times we don't have a map, we don't have guidelines, so we have to do all, all the work. When you yeah, right. We all grow up in a monogamous culture, pretty much. And, yeah. You know, we see on TV and in movies how that goes and, like, what the right way to respond to certain things is. But for us, there's no roadmap. So it, it's also kind of a bit of an underground. You have to figure thing. out have on to figure the way. Out, yeah. 
it doesn't get uncomfortable because I'm thinking of all the disadvantages that can be is that it doesn't get uncomfortable where you are in a social environment. So let's say people see you with one partner, then with the other, and they were like, what the fuck is going on? You know, and you have to explain yourself. Yeah. Does it get like too much, like pressure? It doesn't, it hasn't gotten that bad, but mm-hmm. there have definitely been times where that's happened, where people have been like, so um, I thought I met your girlfriend the other day. And <laughs> right. And so do you actually openly explain what's going on or do you try I, to be like, if it's, you know? If it's someone that I'm close to or a friend that I'm likely to see often, then yes, I'll explain the situation. But mm-hmm. if it's kind of just a casual acquaintance, I'll try and brush it over or right. say, oh, she's just a friend. Okay. I try not to do that. But okay. it's, it's something you kind of still have to keep a little bit secret because, yeah. you know, there's not really much. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So now that we talked about the serious stuff, and uh, you already know about this segment that I have on the show, which is no, <laughs> the awkward jar. And uh, it's basically a jar, an imaginary jar for now, that has, um, that I pull up uh, various like facts and uh, <laughs> things about men and women. And you basically have to explain or come up with a theory why this happens or happens. Okay. Right? okay, you ready? So the awkward jar fact of today is that women in ancient Rome wore the sweat of gladiators to improve their beauty and complexion. Okay. Why do you think they did that? Okay, so first off, I don't think that wearing the sweat of a gladiator would improve your... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, obviously they did that. I mean, they they did it for that reason. But, I mean, I'd say it's the same thing. I mean... Maybe it was a rumor that got started around. People put all sorts of things on their faces to look better. Yeah. You know, they still do that today. Like, But why the sweat of gladiators? Specifically gladiators? I don't know. Maybe because gladiators are hot. Maybe you want to rub <laughs> that hotness off onto your face or something. And how do you think, what was the process? Like, Where someone discovered this? Yeah. So like, what would be the, the, the usual process of doing this thing? Like you would go to a man or like, how would that work? I think, yeah, you'd, you'd find a sweaty gladiator at the Colosseum after a, a fight to the death. He's covered in blood and sweat. And you'd say, yeah. I'd like some of your sweat, please. And I mean, maybe it was seen as like a sort of, okay, I'll give you some sweat. You can be something else. Yeah. Maybe it's a transaction. like mm-hmm. Transaction, mm-hmm. I see. But that, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> well, he knows that there is no answer for this. And uh, we don't even know if that's true. But, you know, I thought it's an interesting <laughs> Yeah. to ask you and uh, yeah I like this idea maybe you know maybe we should start doing that and start experimenting with it although I'm not sure how this is going to work but anyways and bodily fluids <laughs> bodily fluids yes alright so <clears throat> sorry back to our uh, questions hmm. um, so one other thing that I wanted to know is um, is there a limit on the number of partners you can have um there's no like fixed rule that right. we've decided, but I would say practically there probably is a limit to what you could handle like as a person. Mm-hmm. But so I'm not sure where you... that is. For me, I haven't set a limit for myself, but at the moment I'm not I mean, even when I met T, I wasn't specifically looking for anyone. Mm-hmm. Just something clicked and being in a polyamorous relationship allowed me to follow that. Whereas other times I wouldn't have been able to. So I'm not looking actively, but if something like that happens again, I I'd be open to it. And do you, like, when you meet somebody and you're attracted to them, and obviously they're attracted to you, for example, do you uh, lay it out there? Absolutely. But that's first one of the first things. Like, you you learn in poly, you have to communicate everything right. all the time. Just dump it. Right. Forget about what the consequences might be. Just say it. And that's one of the things with meeting new people. 
Mm. And if you're looking at them as a potential partner, you have to put your cards on the table, I feel like. And then do you also do this for like just casual sexual relationships or... Um, so if you want to be with somebody, then you play it out there. But if not, if for you it's... Well, I guess for you, if you already have two right. partners, I don't know if you would but want you mean, that. You mean for the casual sex aspect? Yeah. Um, that's an interesting question. I think it depends. If it's going to be a definite one-night stand, yeah. then no, I think it would be more important to tell your partners. Some people <laughs> have agreements before, but... We, but do you we, have to tell your partners? Um, we have agreements to tell each other, not before it happens, but after, like just to keep everyone informed, and it's especially important in terms so of... Do you have like your little old Facebook group <laughs> inform everyone, or like, you know, like a billboard well, or something? Luckily, because it's just three people. Like, <laughs> we, might, yeah. we might end up doing that, yeah. Right, okay. And do you, uh, so when you have a poly relation, do you have uh, favorites, let's say, um, or is it equally... It's It's interesting, I mean... I, I don't think that I have favorites in terms of who's better than the other, but they're very different people, and that's what I love about them. They're mm-hmm. completely different. So, you know, for example, with A, I enjoy hanging out, playing video games. We do different stuff. T, yeah. I enjoy going out with her, like, on the town and different, you know, in different environments. They're completely different people, and and I have different things I like to do with each other. Interesting, because, you know, like, when we, when we search for a partner, we think that he or she will complete us. Mm-hmm. And then there's like this one person, but maybe because I've been thinking about this, maybe there are multiple people that can compete you. Do you and think that's the case? I, I, I think that's very much the case, but I also don't think that we need anyone other than ourselves to be complete. Yeah. I think if you look for that in a partner, you're pinning expectations on them. Like mm-hmm. I expect you to fill this hole in my life. And right. when you expect something of someone, I don't think that you're truly free to love them. Because like, you know, I believe in love without possession. So. In my model, or how I'd like to see it, is that you love someone, you love them for who they are, and how they behave, unless it's harmful to you, is simply an expression of who they are, and it's not something to fear or to get angry about. That's interesting. Hi, girlfriends. Sorry to interrupt uh, your listening to the episode, but I quickly wanted to jump in and let you know that I have prepared something exciting for you. If you're interested in polarity, femininity, and how to embrace your feminine and how to attract primarily masculine men in your life, this announcement is going to be very useful for you because I'm talking about my signature uh, training. Uh, I'm like, how do I describe this experience? Because it's really an experience, you know. This is a signature training, my one-hour webinar that I've put together. And it honestly, it's it's been through a few iterations in the last two years. But I feel like this is the best yet training of mine that didn't come from, you know, reading two books and three courses and like coming together in a copy-paste thing that I now advise women to do. No, this has come from me, my own lived experience through my dating life and through finding and attracting the masculine men of my dreams and then marrying him and creating a family. This also came, yes, indeed, from a lot of research and learning and courses and coaches and, oh my God, you name it. You know, it's been a, it's been a journey of five years for me about that time. And also this has come from my clients. So the previous training, how is this different if you've signed up for another training of mine? which was the live female success, by the way. This is different because this is now 
coming through a distillation of my work one-on-one with women who I've helped get to that place where they're just attracting better men and they start attracting better masculine men and are on their way to actually to a relationship eventually. Not only masculine, but also masculine committed men. So if you are in a situation where you are attracting men that are less than desirable, let's say they're feminine men who don't want to lead, don't want to take charge, and men who are unavailable, then this training is for you. I will have to call this training, how to start attracting your masculine committed men, basically in 30 days or less. And in this training, I will share with you some of the key things that I've learned throughout this journey that are helping. That's what my work with women is based on. So in this 60-minute training, you'll find the number one reason why you're still single and can't attract a committed masculine men. It's not what you think. How to break through the pantheons of attracting unavailable or feminine men, as I said, and find your blind spot so you can attract the men you want. How to master the feminine masculine polarity so you start feeling taken care of, claimed, and finally be able to let go of control and uncover the lie of female success that's keeping you stuck, exhausted, and unfulfilled, which means in masculine energy all the time. So you can start living in freedom and joy and much, much more. So if you're interested, go to girlskill.com slash sign up and I can't wait for you to see this training and to let me know how it went and by the way there's no replays for this so make sure you select the time that you can show up and be fully present all right I'm gonna jump off and you continue listening to this episode we talked about this already like you how do you feel about sharing your women with Mm. men in general because men are in general, very possessive. possessive you know, right. that's mine, that's, and nobody touches that. So. so that's that's generally true. But when I read that question, I was thinking about it. I was thinking, part of the problem is in the phrasing. Like, how do you feel about sharing your women? And the thing <laughs> is, I don't think I possess them. I don't think I own them. I don't believe that. So to me, when they're with other people, I'm not sharing them. Mm. They're sharing themselves with whoever they wish. I'm lucky enough to be able to love them and lucky enough to have them say they love me back. I don't get to decide what they do with their body or what they do with their heart. And right. And so to be honest, you practice complete detachment from... Yeah, from well, that... Well, not from complete, that but... <laughs> like I, I don't believe that I have the right... And I don't think I would want to say mm-hmm. who or what they could do. I want them to be who they are. And if I still love them as who they are, that's the ideal situation for me. Right. So let me ask you this. Like, in the future, because now, you know, we're all young and experimenting mm-hmm. and whatever. Have you thought of actually... Uh, you know, because this whole thing, like, how is this going to work? That's what I'm asking myself. How is this going to work when, let's say, we grow up? Yeah. And uh, do, do you do you see yourself having a family or with, with these two people? I mean, not exactly yeah. these two people, but, but how, how will that work? It's, and, like, children? Okay, this, is, and, this is a really big thing for us. This is something that all three of us talk about or have talked about. And, yeah. again, it's hard because there's not many role models in society, but... I've heard it, you know, it is possible. There are poly families that are very happy. But as for what I'll do, I don't want to have children or a family for quite a while yet. Mm-hmm. So when that time does come, and if we're in the same place, if I'm still polyamorous, if everyone is still on this, this page, then yeah. I guess we'll deal with it when it happens. But um, in my ideal world, I kind of see a, a sort of poly tribe family thing as a possible. So where you would be the father. And- I, I would be a father. You would be a father. Right. But, you know, there would be other people. <laughs> and then you would have children from... Well, this is it. It would depend on what people want. Like, I know that, for example, right now, like... Yeah. Some people don't want to have children. Or okay. can't see themselves having children. They may change their mind. But, uh, but do you all live in the same household? 
or not necessarily? Not necessarily. Okay. It, it depends. Like, I mean, some poly situations work out into a primary relationship and then secondary relationships orbiting that. So the primary couple live together, but it doesn't mean that they love each other more. It's just that they've decided to commit the time and to raise children. family and have children, but they also have other partners. So in that situation, you know, you live just with a couple, but there are other situations where everyone lives together. And I don't, I honestly don't know. It's one of the big black holes of the future. Yeah, I don't know. that's very yeah. interesting, yeah. And especially when it comes to, like, let's say, a woman having two main partners. How, how does that work? You know, two men in the house. That's and... actually the most common poly configuration really? is a woman with two men. Oh, hmm. interesting. So uh, another question I wanted to ask you is, you you know, because women in general, I think, require, well, not require, I, don't, I know we don't like this word, but need a lot of love and support. Yeah. Well, maybe the same amount as men, but men, men are more like independent in their space and stuff like that. But for women, it's very important for us to feel loved and cherished. And yeah. how do you have so much like energy and uh, so much inside you to so give it love. more? Yeah, mm-hmm. so much love to give it to, to people. Do you have certain like routines or practices for like you, where you refill that? Well, one of them is just being aware of how lucky I am in terms of everything where I was born and my privileges and. A lot of things that I was just born into is just dumb luck. Some, mm-hmm. Someone else born somewhere else would never have these opportunities. Yeah. But in terms of, of love, I don't think that love is, is a scarcity-based resource. It's not something that can be divided down into smaller pieces. For example, if you have children, you have one kid, you love that kid. Yeah. Three years later, you have another one, maybe another one. Does your love for the first kid get diluted by your successive loves? Or is there enough love for all of them? You love them equally. Mm. So that's how you look at it. That's that's how I look at it. I, I don't believe that. In fact, honestly, there was a moment. There have been moments where I felt, wow, my love has increased by being in this position, by being vulnerable with these people, and knowing that, oh my god, like I'm right that's on the edge. You just suddenly feel like, wow, I can put everything out there because I've got nothing left to lose, just love. But do you also, because what you're talking about right now, I think for a lot of people this is the case, only they don't call it love per se, or they don't have to be in a relationship. Because I'm, I'm getting the same kind of thing what you're talking about from my friends. Right. So I can love my friend and I get the same kind of like uh, dynamic or whatever, but the only thing is that we don't sleep with each other and we're not right. in a relationship. And this is, this is not to say that, like, this is just my viewpoint. There are also many forms of relationships, romantic relationships, where there is no sex involved at all. Mm-hmm. That's still a polyamorous relationship if it involves love and you view each other in that romantic way. So what is love then for you? I mean, how would you describe what you feel? I, I don't know if I can describe love itself, but I can describe, yeah, the things that it makes me feel like. For me, love is selfless. It doesn't expect anything. It doesn't try to make someone into something. Mm. Love is something that you are able to give, but you can't demand. You're allowed to put it out there, but you don't get to decide when you receive it. So if that's all you can do, your job is to love as best you can. And for me... The best way I can love is to love openly and to love fearlessly. And mm. it's a very enlightened approach, you know. How did you get there? I'm interested because a lot of people, I mean, struggle very. Even if you have a, you know, a monogamous relationship, it's very hard to think about it this way. Honestly, it probably helped because of that. The period where it was hard, it was so mm. hard for both of us, especially at that time for me. I, it, when it broke me down, it meant that when I built myself up again. I had to pick up the pieces and decide what do I want to put in here. A large part of me wanted to just be like, this is too complicated. 
I think we need to split up and I need to start fresh. Like that was there, but yeah. the other part of me was saying, don't don't do that. Don't throw away something that's this beautiful just mm. because of you know something that you find out. So did you read maybe some books or listen uh, to something? Is there anything that helped you get through this? Yeah, there was. There's, there's a great book on poly called The Ethical Slut, which is essentially the Bible. The Ethical Slut. Yeah, the Bible of poly. It's kind of become like the document you have to read. But mm, interesting. I'm going to put this in my show notes. Put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there. Okay. Um, but aside from that, it's it's really just about whatever works for you. I don't believe that there's a solution for everyone. I didn't go on any specific programs. Uh, I was meditating a lot at that point just to calm myself because I had a lot of emotional disturbances coming from this. But I wasn't following any program or anything. I was just doing what felt right for me. And the biggest yeah. thing for me was when these insecurities came up and I was feeling vulnerable and like, oh, you know, this guy's better than me. I'm, I'm no good. Yeah. The best way I found to address that was, okay, how do I make myself better? So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I lost a lot of weight. I started eating more healthily. I started doing things more productive with my time because I wanted to be the best person I could be, not necessarily to keep these other people mm-hmm. stopped from running away, but because I wanted to feel strong in myself. Right. So ultimately, it comes down to loving yourself. Yes. And dealing with this emotion yes. in a very, like, holistic way. You want to make sure what you bring to a relationship from your side is good. It's a, it's a good thing. You don't yeah. want to be introducing baggage or negative emotions because then the same thing comes from the other side. You want to make sure that the, the part you can control, your side of love, make it as, as beautiful and as clean and as you can. And don't expect anything don't expect things in return, but be grateful when you receive them. Mm. That's very wise, Ed. <laughs> Thank you. So oh, now we get to the almost. Did you want to say something? Yeah, I wanted to say another yeah. thing. Fake it till you make it. That's <laughs> that that's a good approach. Like, yeah. Obviously, don't be stupid about it. Don't deceive <laughs> yourself. But when you start out, you're going to be okay in theory, but you're going to be feeling a lot of things like, oh my god. Don't don't worry. Grin, smile through it, and you might find that in time. Things aren't actually as bad as you think, and you'll, yeah. you'll grow into it. But I think it also requires two people to be as open-minded. Because yes. I know people that have tried poly, mm. and then it didn't work. I think mostly because one person couldn't handle it right. you know, properly. So it, 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 it's always a two-way thing. Absolutely. Right? Communication. Okay, so now we're almost at the end of our show. And uh, one thing that I always ask, what was your most embarrassing moment in your sex or dating life? I, I, I vividly remember this. I don't know if I remember, but um, when I was 18, I once fell asleep in the middle of sex. What? Like, with, with my partner at the time. And when I woke up, she was gone. But, I mean, I, I was quite drunk at the time, to be fair. But yeah. that was the most embarrassing thing. Because I had to go find her afterwards, and she was looking at me like... And ask her what happened. And right? ask her what happened. I was like, what happened? I woke up naked. Like, what's going on? And she was like, yeah, you fell asleep. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. But were you okay? So you were obviously probably lying down and she was on top. No, I was on top. <laughs> so I think she said she had to roll me off. <laughs> Which is horrible. That's just horrible. <laughs> How could you... You know, we actually talked with our girlfriends about this, like... If a guy is on top, like, how can he fall asleep because the action is on him? Like, you must. So did you, like, stop at one point and then fell asleep? I don't quite remember, but apparently that happened. Like, I just fell asleep. Oh, God. So what happened with the girl? Did you, like, completely lost connection? No, not over that. Like, we were fine after that. But, um, yeah, 
lost touch with her since, but if she's listening, I'm really sorry, G. Sorry, G. <laughs> well, that's a funny. Uh, yeah, I think I, I've heard this before. You know, I think some people go through this, and uh, so you, now you're making sure that this doesn't happen again yeah, somehow. Absolutely. You just don't get too drunk. No, lots of practice. Oh, oh, practice. Okay, <laughs> makes sense. All right, Z. So uh, now, in summary. Uh, what is the one thing that you would like to tell women or people in general who want to try this and are confused or not sure what to do or so based on everything we talk about, what is like the one thing you would like to tell people? Well, the, the main thing is make sure that you can communicate. And that sounds cliche. Make sure that your relationship, if you're planning on opening, you have good communication, that you have a solid base. Because poly in that sense at the beginning will introduce a lot more problems and a lot more stress mm-hmm. so you want to be coming from a strong place don't expect it to solve problems that are already there or solve existing problems it's not yeah. it's not a cure it's something that you both have to work towards so make sure you have a strong relationship and you communicate well and if you're both comfortable then go for it mm-hmm. interesting alright thank you so uh, Zed thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about this and I think it's very brave that you can openly talk about it and thank you All right, girlfriends, hope you enjoyed listening or watching to this episode. And if you did, and if you resonate with most of the things I'm saying, and you want to learn more, and you want to finally start attracting masculine men, I have an invitation for you. So as you know, I am committed and passionate about helping successful women attract and keep committed masculine men. So I have a personal invitation for you. If you're resonating with everything and you're ready to step up and invest in yourself and take things to the next level, I'd love, love, love to talk to you and see if you'd be a fit for my work and what I do. And so basically what I'm doing is I'm inviting you and it's a personal invitation If you, only if you resonate because I don't work for, with everyone and I'm not here to just, you know, make a quick buck and whatever. I'm here committed to your result and I will make sure that we go until the end and that we get you the result that you want which is start attracting better men so I invite you to sign up to actually apply for a free discovery call with me it's a call that is one hour long and what we do is we talk about your current situation where you are today and what's wrong quote-unquote wrong with your dynamics with men what you don't like and then we're going to talk about what you really want and where you want to get and at the end if I find that that's a good fit I'll tell you what I do and I'll offer you to join us and uh, how we could work together so just to give you a bit of context this is this experience is all about and what I'm going to offer to only if I find that that's a good fit is about number one putting yourself in the best position to start attracting committed masculine men and not through tactics and techniques or tips tricks whatever but just by being you and understanding and appreciating men thus creating a deeper relationship with yourself as a feminine essence woman and attract better committed masculine men number two it's all about letting go of overworking perfectionism and the need to control by overcoming your limiting beliefs patterns and obstacles to rediscover your worth and enoughness and rebuilding your faith in your own voice in your own decisions and exploring your boundaries and so on and so on number three it's all about letting your body lead stop overthinking and start trusting your gut and your heart when it comes to making decisions expanding and embracing your range of emotions cultivating sense of awareness and pleasure and feeling more without apologizing for it and i know if you're here you understand and you know that the path to your masculine man who's a conscious 
conscious, healthy man is through you, is through embracing your feminine nature, is through running with the wolves and embracing your wild feminine side and actually gaining power from it. And a healthy masculine man will only be attracted to that if you get to that place yourself. And last but not least, it's all about becoming deeply connected to yourself as a woman. Understand what true femininity is, exploring deeper levels of intimacy, and finally becoming free, lighter, and open embracing basically the feminine side of polarity because again this is what your masculine man wants and it's all about stop living in the masculine energy by pushing doing and choosing all the time and start living enjoy freedom and your wild nature where you can surrender where you can finally let go trust me this is an amazing place to be and it's easy and joyful and it feels natural and feels like a woman so if you resonate go to girlskill.com apply and there's going to be a short survey step one just apply there and then the next step is to schedule a call with me it's going to be an hour we have fun on this call, so I hope to see you there. And my, my calendar is booked for another, I mean, booked. My calendar is open for another week. So go ahead and do that. If you don't see times that are available for you, make sure you email me because I'll always make time for you to make sure that you get your spot. All right, girlfriend, keep running with wolves and I'll see you next week with another episode of Girl Skill Podcast or my YouTube channel that I already have. Okay, bye! <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Girl Skill. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher to never miss an episode. And never forget that your version of success is uniquely yours to live and experience. Until next time, let's continue redefining female success together. Girlskill.com Female success, Redefined. Redefined.